Hi, everyone. This is Too Young to Be Old podcast with me, your host, Diane Gilman. Each week, my guests and I will share insights, advice, and more than a few laughs to empower and inspire women over the age of 50 who really need to embrace the aging process. We want to encourage you to pursue your passions and dreams no matter what decade you're living. Too Young to Be Old podcast is intended to educate, empower, and foster connection with our community. Please note that this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice or care. So with that said, let's settle in, get comfortable, and let's get started. Well, hi, everybody. I have got a fantastic podcast episode today based on my podcast, which is Too Young to Be Old. And it just so happens that I have my dear friend, Jan Tuckwood, the co-author, the one and only with me today (laughs) to discuss how this book saved my life. And Jan knows music is so important to me. So what Jan, I don't think you know this. Whenever I think of you and how we wrote this book together, which is what we're going to talk about, I always think about the Simon and Garfunkel song, Bridge Over Troubled Waters. You were my bridge over Mm -hmm. troubled waters. So very briefly, this book was going to be a chronicle of going through treatment as a 72-year-old for stage 3 breast cancer. I found out through a sonogram diagnosis Christmas Eve of 2017. I knew Jan because she was a senior editor of the Palm Beach Post for many, many years and had written a couple of just gorgeous articles about me and my brand, and my middle-aged gene, DG2, by Diane Gilman on HSN. So, day after Christmas, I gave Jan a break. I didn't call her up on Christmas. Day after Christmas, I called Jan. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? La, 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 la. Oh, by the way, uh, I have stage 3 breast cancer. Do you want to write a book about it? (laughs) Mm-hmm. And Jan had to think about that for a minute. I mean, it was a lot more complicated question than the way I put it. But she signed up. And I'll tell you what, and this is really the truth. Jan, you saved my life. Mwah. It gave me purpose. What a good thing to do. It gave me structure. It gave me a reason. And I remember saying to Jan at a, a, a very at the youthful stage of our book writing, that even if I didn't make it through, I wanted a chronicle and a legacy of the way I was going to approach it. So we partnered up together. And as we got into writing the book, it became very obvious that we had to write a lot of my life story. And the one thing, and I will tell you, this is the truth, and I say this to everybody out there, there is, if you are going to live through your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s and beyond, you are going to have gone through some rough periods in your life. There is no, if, if you are that blessed, I want to know all about your karma. <laughs> right, right, away. right, right. Yeah. But otherwise, yep. I have to tell you that writing that book 
the thing that was the most cathartic for me, and then I'm going to ask Jan a series of questions, but the thing that was most cathartic for me was as we got into my past to explain my present and what could mm-hmm. be my future, I realized this was not unique. I've climbed Mount Everest yes. 10,000 right. times in my lifetime, and right. this was just going to be another Mount Everest. Yes. And yes. so I never got a chance to tell you how thankful I was to have you by mm-hmm. my side. Jen, honestly, flew into New York, you, went to my first mm-hmm. chemo with me. Mm-hmm. Went When I went to the nutritionist, she was there when they said, yeah, you have a chance of getting through this mm-hmm. alive. She met my mm-hmm. surgeons my oncologist, everybody. And I always wanted to ask you, did you ever feel that cancer was something that you were going to catch? I noticed that people, many people backed away from me because they honestly, they couldn't take it. I felt like I had a huge communicable disease. How, How did you feel and how did you personally cope with being well, around all that illness for well over a year. The honest thing is that I never felt that you, the soul of you, was ill. Ah. I felt you had a disease that was treatable. And as your surgeon, Dr. Alyssa Port, told you, you had an illness in a part of your body you did not need. I love okay? that. Yeah. And I love that. she and I was there the time, uh, the first time you met Dr. Port. Yeah. And she said, call me Alyssa. She held her hand out to both of us and said, call me Alyssa and personalized that moment and said to you, you have the body of a 50-year-old. We're going to treat you like the healthy 50-year-old body you have with a localized disease. And you, uh, watching you go through the emotions of the journey. And I think for people who don't know you, as well as I know you, um, having emotion, you're used to being very controlled and having an image on camera you and have keeping to. it together yeah, and you and, have to. You know, being in a corporate environment, that, you have that to. thing of think like a man. Right. I but the minute you had that. to, but the minute Dr. Port, that first time she exa- examined you, the very first day, you said, can I go back to HSN and say goodbye to my customers? And you didn't cry, but you were emotional. Almost, almost. She sat down next to you. She put her hand on your knee and she said, I'm, I'm going to cure you. I think I can cure you. And it was just, I, I never thought of you as sick. So that, um, that is a credit to you. And also the part of like learning to be, controlling your environment as a businesswoman. Yeah. Sometimes that's a problem, like if you can't show all your emotions, but sometimes it's an incredible strength because what you did was you immediately had a list, you compartmentalized, you said, this is what I can do something about, and this is what I can't. You know what, Jan? I remember she also said in front of us, Diane, Women like you always do the best with treatment because, right. pardon me, audience, you've, quote, yes. unquote, worked your ass off your whole life, right. and this right. is just another 
job, albeit a yes. life or death yes. job. But right. what, right. what right. I got out of it in the end and what I thought was so important, and this might be good for anybody out there who's facing a dark time or what seems like an insurmountable disease or situation, instead of journaling, because I'm always about doing it big, we wrote a book. And the book, and the book, quite frankly, is superb and has gotten a lot of five star reviews. But Mm -hmm. that book and the time it took taught me that you should never see cancer, even during treatment, as your Mm -hmm. whole life. It is always part of your life, and if you never allow it to overtake everything, then you're you're way, way into the game. So I need to ask you another question because you knew me, you'd interviewed me. You wrote such superb articles about my fashion. And I thank you for that. What made you say yes? Because it was quite a project. But I love, I love your story. And I love the story of women who really own their own lives. And I had 47 pairs of your jeans. I'm like a big home shopping person. So I had been watching you and I have been like strutting around in my DG2s thinking, you know, and I'm, and I'm not, uh, you know, I'm 66 now. So what time was it then? I guess I was 61 or something. Yeah. Five years ago. And I would, I would say to people like, look from the back, these young men stop me and they think I'm 35. It's because of my DG2. So, I love it. but I had been watching you because I am a big, I love home shopping and I, I love home shopping because of the stories and how great you were in telling your Thank life you. story and how, your you. passion, the passion in what you created. So I knew in telling your whole life story and then in confronting cancer, it would that be, was pretty scary. this would be, um, this would be just, it would be another part of the tapestry of your life. And music yeah. is so important to you that your life just intrigued me. Also, you, I could tell that you were going to tell the truth, okay? And oh, telling sure. the truth. For sure. It's unusual. Not everybody tells the truth. A lot of um, times, and uh, a lot of times women are burdened by the expectations of others and what should I say, what should I do, and I knew by your life that you had always walked your own path and and basically, you know, chopped down any tree in front of you, climbed every mountain in front of you. And I knew cancer was just going to be another mountain. I remember, I remember, and, and it was, you know, I do not, for audience information, have much of a family left. And I am first born American from the Ukraine and Russia. Mm -hmm. So I already knew from reports I read that if you didn't have a family to support you, your chances of surviving were not good. So I, of course, had to make the women at HSN that I made feel good about themselves with my genes into my family. But, you know, it was so strange. Here I was totally ready to open myself up to writing a book. But when it went for HSN and, and for everyone's knowledge, I was the number one fashion personality at QBC, HSN, for almost 30 mm-hmm. years. <laughs> Their ideas were like, shh, anybody. Just, I said, really? Just disappear for a year? Mm-hmm. Or don't tell them you're sick. Just tell them 
you you can take a little break. I said, are you mm-hmm. you're out of your minds? These are female customers. They're going right. to have gone through it. They're going to relate to it. But what is most important to me, and I think what we did with the book, it's the way we live our lives. And this was mm-hmm. so strange. So the night before chemo, my first chemo, and for anyone who doesn't know, which is probably almost everyone, um, my husband of 20 years died of cancer. Chemo was a horrible experience for him. I was a sole caregiver. So I wasn't exactly looking forward to chemo. As a matter of fact, I remember walking around the house and saying, why is this your karma to make you have to face your worst nightmare? Mm-hmm. At 72, mm-hmm. when I thought, I faced it, I'm going to kick back. No. So the night before, mm-hmm. I'm telling myself like, Good going, Diane. Stage three breast cancer at 72. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I went to sleep and I actually went to sleep and I had a dream. And if any of you have ever had a dream that's more than a dream, it's real, it's surreal, it's a message. So I dreamt I was driving down a very rocky, pebbly country road in my old VW, my first car that I bought when I was 18. And it was wilderness on all sides. And I'm zooming along and it's really a bumpy ride. And suddenly I stop and there's literally a needlepoint perpendicular Mm -hmm. mountain in front of me. I got in the car, I go up a foot, I come down. I got in the car again, I go up another foot and come down. And then I realize. I can't get where I need to go. And I have this dread that I have got to get somewhere. I don't know where. Over that mountain. Over that mountain. And I got out of the car in my dream. I grew into a giant. The mountain became a sharp pebble under Mm -hmm. my shoe. And I stepped over it. And I woke up and I said, thank you, God. You just told me everything Mm-hmm. I need to know and how to conquer this moment. Mm-hmm. So my two messages yep. were number one, for me, it was just a compartmentalized moment yeah. in my whatever my time is on earth. And second of all, listen, there are messages being sent to you constantly. Right. So I knew right. I could do it. I knew I was equipped for it. But I also heard that um, one of my first questions to the oncologist, this will tell you who I am, mm-hmm. uh, just in case you think I'm always deep. My first question was, am I going to be able to go on getting my weekly manicures? I know. Yeah. <laughs> when can I get my manicures? Yeah, it came back or it came back to basic necessities, you know. No, you, um, yeah, you just really got that dream completely... Uh, became like a metaphor for how you approached how you approached Everything. it and i think in the book that's what's so helpful for other women because we all have some mountain that's in front of us we all have something that appears that we oh, cannot yes. get over it oh, yes. what are we going to do and actually um the interesting thing to me about that dream i asked a friend of mine who is a dream who knows about dreams i said why was diane driving the vw and she said that's because the VW tied her back to her youth when yeah. there was still some unresolved pain from your childhood. So you 
your subconscious was attaching the cancer is just another pain, but I survived my childhood and I'm going to survive this cancer. And this cancer is just a tiny, tiny speck in this road. And there's a lot longer road ahead of me and I'm going to get there. That's that's pretty much what I get out of it too. So I want to also ask you, did you ever lose hope for me? And what was your favorite moment (laughs) in writing the book? My, my favorite moment was watching your growth as a human, your humanness grow. I felt that your yeah. humanness, I could see, uh, I could see your protective shell kind of drop away as you had to give up your vanity. You had to, I was there when, uh, your hairdresser shaved uh, your head Antonio after the chemo, Antonio, and, and the, it was just, uh, I have a video of it and Antonio's crying, Antonio's crying. I'm crying. You're like, I am not going to shed one tear for something that's going to grow back because <laughs> hair is like lipstick. I'll just go buy some more hair. And then, then we, he went to get your wigs. And of course you have the best wigs and about $5,000 worth of designer hats that you went out to get because it's like, this is just, I'm going to look at this as an excuse to shop for really, really great hats. So it became like looking at something in a way that would make it survivable for you. And you, I never, I just never lost hope in you. For me, the revealing of having that shell come away and the first week, the week you, the day that you went in to see Dr. Port for the first time, um, you said, you said, more people have hugged me in the last 72 hours than have hugged me in the first 72 years of my life. Yes. And then the very strangest thing for me was um, when I finally got through all the rigmarole and I had to write out every word of my speech to tell my audience that Mm -hmm. I was going away. I just... I thought to myself, make the message simple. Every woman Mm. will understand. So I just said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a little break from the job I do with you guys designing Mm -hmm. middle-aged jeans, and I'm going to save my life. That's going to be my job Mm -hmm. for the next year. And I remember waking up the next morning, called my assistant, and said, um, did we post this on Facebook? What's going on here? And I got, yeah, you got 35 responses. And I said, is that good? And she said, <laughs> Diane, you got 35,000 responses. By the next day, I had 135,000 women sending me good wishes. So I realized that I had made an insular family for myself. And I Mm -hmm. honestly, for about two months after that, felt like I was being hugged Mm -hmm. and rocked like a baby by all these women who were relating to the disease. And so I say to anybody out there, because this podcast Mm -hmm. is really about bridge over troubled waters and how Mm -hmm. you build your bridge, you don't always have to look to blood family to get your Mm -hmm. support. Mm-hmm. But you do have to look to yourself and you do have to right. find a way. And you must tell yourself, as overwhelming as it might be, that this is not forever. This right. is a temporary situation as a fix. And I was lucky enough 
to get over it and to be able to go on living my life. But the other thing that was very interesting for me as a single woman with virtually no family was um, I couldn't take pity. And right. if you were going to pity me or cry in front mm -hmm. of me, if you were going to cry in front of me, you had to leave. You had to go step out mm -hmm. into a hallway or a lobby. I didn't want to see tears because mm -hmm. I didn't want to see myself as pathetic. And I didn't want you to pity me because the real truth about me was that was first time for a double mastectomy. That was the first time I was ever in a hospital in my life. And by that time, mm -hmm. I was 73 when I got the double right. mastectomy. Mm -hmm. And so you have to, you may have a lot of people around you. You may like people crying around you. But for me, I really had to cut out the people. I had a lot right. of people approach me like, right. oh, mm -hmm. right, how right, are right. you? Which really right. translated to you're almost dead, right? I'm just being polite. And mm -hmm. I had to only stick with the people that had yeah. a belief in me, right? And that yeah. I could right. get through it. And then yeah. Jan and I yeah. are writing the book and writing the book. Yeah. And we did um, one of my favorite parts of the book, and it may be yours, which was called... My Third Act in Too Young to Be Old by Jan Tuckwood mm -hmm. and Diane Gilman. And my third act was when I came out of this, how was I going to craft the rest of my life? Right. I will right. tell you, ladies, you may be going through a bitter gray divorce. Mm -hmm. You may have just lost your husband. You may have just lost your best mm -hmm. friend. You may have been diagnosed with a disease, right. but you are still, it's you and you, you. are right. in control of right. your own right. life. And that right. chapter, right. that third act chapter, yeah. was right. everything to me because I came out of cancer. And truthfully, and you probably can hear it and see it and feel it in my vibe, I have no bitterness towards cancer. I thought cancer, cancer was, right. in fact, one of the right. great teachers, the great yes. life lesson. And um, I came through it and I thought to myself, there isn't a morning I'm going to wake up after this that I'm not going to thank God, see right. life as a miracle, see right. every minute as precious. I totally and agree. Yes. Life has a whole new kind of flavor for me. And right. you know what? I can't look at it as a terrible period of my life. And if you are out there right now mm -hmm. with something right. that's challenging you and you're thinking, oh, my God, this divorce is never ending or I don't see how I'm going to survive it. You will survive and you yes. will come right. out of it right. bigger, more mm -hmm. beautiful, stronger mm -hmm. and more able to be in control and shape the right. rest of your life. No, that's absolutely right. And the thing is, is that we are responsible for our lives. Yes. Everybody listening to this, Diane, you, me, we are responsible. The what, Whatever we did before got us to this place. And all of us face challenges. You happen to face cancer. You've had the heartbreak of losing Jim. You know, I've had a divorce. We've all had losses. And age will give you losses. It guarantees that you are going to have losses. So yeah. how are you going to 
govern yourself for your third 30. We, we can say, and, and Diane's book, the act, our Act 3, is really our third 30. Yeah. When you think about the first 30, 1 to 30, 30 to 60, 60 to 90. True. You have a good chance, you have a good chance of living to 90. Excellent. And your third 30 is directed and produced by you. Yeah. So we, we, we always said that Diane's, well, yours was like a screaming rock opera, musical, crazy dancing. Yeah. It was. Um, My third act was totally dramatic, and it was a Broadway (laughs) musical. And the third act brings the first in. With first act sets up the characters. Second act is sort of the meat of the story, and the third act is bringing everything Mm -hmm. entwining the entire Mm -hmm. story. So I have to ask you, Dan, as our last question: What was your very best and most favorite memory of going through this saga with me and writing this book. And I will say that Jan is a writer who dips her quill in champagne. I mean, my God, your talent (laughs) and the way you took some really sad and scary material and made it uplifting and buoyant and bright i'm so proud of us for writing Thank this you. book what was your very very that favorite question i think oh, it's a good book i memory. think it's a good book i am um, well there's so many but the, the challenge always we when you write a book one. with someone it's else time for one. Yeah. is to ca- <laughs> yes okay <laughs> is to is to um it it I had to capture the flavor of you. I had to write as you would talk. I, I had to it, make this you. It can't be somebody else. It has to be you. And that is the responsibility, again, of all of us to craft our Act 3. I think one of my favorite chapters in the book is actually the chapter um, about about your DG2 sister, a member of your sisterhood named Paulette Moore. And uh, oh her, son, oh her son Tell was dying of uh, covid Paulette Moore is this beautiful woman in her uh, early 70s, came up in the same rock and roll generation like Diane. Paulette had been a single mother, raised her son Adam on her own, had to get three jobs at some times, and uh, eventually put herself through school, got a master's degree, and now she teaches French in colleges. She is a very accomplished French teacher. Well, in 2020, of course, we all went through the terrible pandemic. And on Diane's DG2 Facebook page, Paulette writes, she, she shows a photo of a DG2 outfit, a black peplum sweater, and a pair of gray jeans that Diane designed. And she wrote, I wore this outfit because I need Diane's strength today. My daughter-in-law called and said that my son Adam is being put on a ventilator in the ICU. Oh, God, that was just So I have literally, it was terrible. I have literally slept in these clothes for three days, and I feel Diane's strength coming through me in these clothes. And all the other DG2 sisters responded to her. I sent her message to Diane. Diane responded to her. And we were all praying for Adam, but he did pass away. And um, when he passed away, it was a similar phenomenon for her that you um, received. The sisterhood basically became this net of love, totally surrounding and, her yes, and embracing yes. her. I felt, and that. they still are. It was like, and she, and she, um, and 
and relating to her and her pain. And then Paulette, in, in working through her grief, she started doing latch hook rugs. Because when you do latch hook rugs, it's a very go. simple process. Yeah. Oh, we got to go. It's a simple process, but it reminded me of your life when you would stitch little dresses when yes. you were a little girl. Yes. And, and so just... That was That's why I liked it. Other thing that was a really huge lesson to me was how maybe your worldly family is even closer to you and warmer to you and more loving than your blood family. But you, all your tools are out there to make right. people love right. you, help you mm-hmm. build that bridge. So for anybody in our audience... Mm-hmm who's going through what appears to be the darkest time in their lives, Mm -hmm. guess what? There can't be darkness without light. There can't be Mm -hmm. happiness without sadness. You will come Mm -hmm. through this. And how you build your bridges and who you build them with will stay with you and give you strength for Mm -hmm. every moment of the rest of your life. And I am telling you, Jan, you were... My Bridge Over Troubled Waters, your talent, the way my talent to design clothing, fashion, saved my life for a great part Mm -hmm. of my life, your talent of writing and the patience to work with me through all of that and all those medical business, business, Mm -hmm. you saved my life. You are one of the most talented women and at the same time, one of my most valued of friends. So thank you. Thank you. So, thank so you. My pleasure. My pleasure. And I really, <laughs> and thank you for leaving because every challenge needs to have a great, you know, let's help other women with everything we've gone through. And uh, I think it's all here. And thank you. So it's my sweet. pleasure. Thank my you honor. so much for joining me. My first Too Young to Be Old podcast, it had to be. My bestest friend, Jan Tuckwood, writer <laughs> Thank extraordinaire. You. Thanks so much, Jan. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman. Or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review. And subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old. <laughs>